the last time we got together to do this podcast, we really bummed ourselves out. Who would have thought making a podcast exclusively about death could be a bummer? <laughs> Turns out that makeup isn't necessarily the lighthearted topic it initially <sighs> appears to be, since there's little oversight in the cosmetics industry today. Yeah. Now, reincarnation, on the other hand, mm-hmm. can only be delightful and lighthearted whimsy, no? Nothing screams lighthearted whimsy like a death podcast. <laughs> That's what our listeners are here for, for sure. <laughs> That's the kind of whimsy I like. <laughs> When we began research for this episode, I started thinking about how reincarnation is not a subject that comes up much in everyday life. America is the worst. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't something that came up in everyday life. And then after we started researching, Netflix came out with that show, Surviving Death. That right. Now it totally will come up in everyday life. That basically covered all the things we wanted to cover. Mm-hmm. But we're going to cover them anyway. <laughs> Um, Um, What Netflix said, the end. Yes. Except we did it better first. Thanks. Yeah. We didn't do it first. There. Well, we did it. We'll do it better second. We're doing it better (laughs) secondly, which is the important what counts. Yeah. So I was curious how many Americans actually believe in reincarnation? Oh, yeah. I mean, I just assumed not many. And the answer surprised me. Oh, According to a poll conducted by the Pew Research Center in October 2018, so, you know, pretty recent, most American adults self-identify as Christians. Not exactly shocking information. Mm -hmm. Many Christians also hold what are sometimes characterized as New Age beliefs. That's how Pew Research was referring to them, New Age beliefs, including belief in reincarnation, astrology, psychics, and the presence of spiritual energy in physical objects like mountains or trees. Hmm. Yeah, many Americans who are religiously unaffiliated also have these beliefs. Yeah. So overall, roughly six in 10 American adults accept at least one of these new age beliefs. Whoa, really? Well, how about that? Yeah. So like, where the f*** are you people when I want to talk about astrology? Like, I swear, Americans are all, live free or die. Yeah. Don't be a sheep. Yeah. Think for yourself. Yeah. Until you start going on about the alignment of the stars at your time of birth, coinciding with your personality. And then, all of a sudden, everyone's upholding the status quo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the things people will tell professional researchers for money, (laughs) but not say (laughs) to their casual acquaintances. This is my number one complaint about small talk. I'm always like, hey, I'm Faye. What's your stance on poltergeist possession? And then we're either best friends or we both pretend to take a phone call and delete each other from our contacts list. I like, I like how your, hey, I'm Faye was like a surprisingly baritone. Like, hey, I'm... <laughs> How's it going? I'm Faye. <laughs> I, just, I just lead with masculinity. I like to intimidate people when I meet them. <laughs> and then later I just have the voice of like an eight-year-old. So mm. it's pretty great. So you start off with a misrepresentation and you see exactly what it leads. <laughs> yeah. Four in ten believe in psychics mm-hmm. and that, so four in ten Americans believe in psychics and that spiritual energy can be found in physical objects. Thank you, Pixar. 
Yeah, we'll get back to that. Well, somewhat smaller <laughs> shares of Americans express belief in reincarnation, which is 33%, hmm. and astrology, which is 29%. So, like, more people <laughs> <laughs> believe in reincarnation than astrology? Yes! <laughs> I mean, that's okay. I love that. I want to talk to that 4% of people who are like, Astrology, no. Reincarnation, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of me. Not that I don't believe in astrology, but I'm just sort of like, oh, it seems like a lot of work. There's like math and Mm. angles and all kinds of like, it's too complicated. So I'm just like, whatever. Mm -hmm. Not dealing with that. But reincarnation, fascinating. Larger shares of women than men subscribe to these beliefs. Because we know what's up. (laughs) Also adults under the age of 65. Because we know what's up. (laughs) (laughs) Not not meaning to brag, but I am younger than 65. (laughs) Those who have not graduated from college, racial and ethnic minorities, and Democrats. So Mm. that's really interesting because Democrats... Uh, nope. <laughs> Dem- I s- combined hypocrites and Democrats. Democrats? <laughs> That's interesting since... There are so many Democrats, though. <laughs> so many Democrats! <laughs> yes, okay. I thought that was interesting since Democrats are likelier to be college-educated. Right. But, you know, if you haven't gone to college or you're a Democrat you're more likely to subscribe to these new age beliefs. So uh, I wasn't sure about that presence of spiritual energy and physical objects like mountains or trees. Um, Finding that Pew Research came up with, it kind of reminded me of like Native American creation myth. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's one story, a creation story that credits the tree of life with having given life to all living things in the world. Yeah, it strikes me as funny to hear the term New Age because pretty much all the associated beliefs are way older than Christianity but got squashed for a really long time. And so I guess people maybe think that they're new. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like Santa Claus. Yeah. It's not like Santa Claus, but we never (laughs) fixed that (laughs) when I made that mistake in the earlier episode and I said that Santa Claus was not adopted by Christianity? No. Yeah, and he totally was. I, yeah, I said that he wasn't <laughs> pagan, but he was, and then Christianity took him away. Um, Just in case anybody was wondering if we realized. Yes, we did eventually reach that point. Uh, so when I first read that, I interpreted that data set as, okay, so roughly 40% of Americans think that ghosts live in chairs, which, <laughs> as we all know, isn't totally accurate because ghosts prefer creepy attics or basements or anywhere that is already scary as a confined and mostly dark place. That would cover poltergeist activity too, though, right? Like, help me out. I'm really stuck on the interpretation that 40% of Americans think a ghost lives in my closet, but there has to be another way to read that data. I think you had it right the first time. I mean, I'm 100% sure there is a ghost in your closet. Does your, wait, does your bedroom have a closet? Yes. Yeah, it's that one. No! (laughs) (laughs) To my understanding, the spiritual energy and objects concept, it's more like believing that things have an energy to them. I'm Mm. sure it varies with the person, but for example, crystals containing various forms of healing energy or trees having their own consciousness of sorts, less Uh. like 
your vibrator is going to fly around in the middle of the night opening all your kitchen cupboards. <laughs> but also, ghosts definitely live in chairs. Specifically, rocking chairs. Wait, why? Do you have a haunted rocking chair in your house You think or I would let a rocking chair into my house? Oh. Unbelievable. I've never met a rocking chair that I liked. Exactly. It's actually a really weird coincidence because after... I was thinking about this, and I was like, rocking chairs, for sure, haunted. Mm -hmm. I listened to a different podcast, and they were talking about hauntings, and at some point, they were like, yeah, the perfect way to invite a ghost into your house is to have a rocking chair around, and I was like, oh my god! (laughs) Everybody knows, it's a thing. If you have a rocking chair in your house, get it out now, before it's too late. Set it on fire! (laughs) Set it on fire, but not inside your house. Not inside your house. Take it outside of your house first. Take it to a big empty field. (laughs) That's not full of dry grass for right. crying out loud. And it's nowhere near California because that's the whole thing. <sighs> don't do it during wildfire season. Don't do it <laughs> after a drought. Build a little Viking ship, put it in the ship, put it out on lake, middle of the lake, Ooh. no wind, then set it on fire. Yeah. Like Say goodbye people. to that ship. Bye, ghosts. <laughs> we're just advocating people set stuff on fire. And later we're going to advocate that they ride their... We are joking. Pets. We are not liable for you <laughs> setting your house or anything else on fire <laughs> to get the ghosts out. Look, firemen are going to be pissed at us. <laughs> fire persons are going to be pissed. I mean, not if we save them from a haunting by informing them about their chairs. Oh, that's true. So, hey, listen, longtime firefighter, would you rather have a, a ghost in your rocking chair? <laughs> or would you rather be going after somebody who doesn't know how to set fires and telling them to stop? Exactly. You choose. Do you want your house to burn down or do you want your kids to be possessed forever? Yeah. You're welcome. That shit doesn't go away. Nope. The ghost doesn't just get bored and be like, I guess I'll spend another few hundred years not doing that. No, 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 no. When I first started researching reincarnation, a couple of American psychiatrists who have published books on the subject came up. Mm-hmm. Then Netflix found them real fast. Uh, <laughs> The first. <laughs> Damn it! Get off our jock Netflix. Yeah, well, that's how we know we're onto something, something oh, special. Are we timely? We are we're relevant. A little, bit late. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, almost relevant. Well, in the way Netflix just churns out shows. That's oh. true. They have a bigger budget than us. I'm gonna. They guess. have a much bigger. Since our budget's like three dollars for <laughs> hey, ice, a piece ice cream, thank you. That booze. adds up <laughs> per episode. <laughs> if you contribute now to our Patreon, <laughs> no, okay, let's hit that four dollar ceiling. Ooh, that's one dollar for each fan. <laughs> and by fan, I mean someone who listened and didn't hate it. It's <laughs> a low bar. Uh, Okay, did I finish that sentence? I don't know. Uh, let's do it again. Okay. When I, f- <laughs> when I first started researching reincarnation, a couple of American psychiatrists who have published books on the subject came up. Oh, right. The first is Dr. Ian Stevenson, mm-hmm. a man who is interested in paranormal phenomena as well as reincarnation. My man. He became chairman of the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Virginia in 1957. In other words, he's not going around in a tinfoil hat to do his grocery shopping. Um, one, I don't make fun of your outfits. And two, if you're fine with the people at Trader Joe's scanning your brain and stealing all your unpatented snack ideas, then so be it. But they aren't getting mine. Oh. 
just a little teaser. It serves a purpose. What, what do you... What? My unpatented... You think I'm going to tell the world here about my snack ideas? That's okay. the perfect way to get them stolen. You get the two cookies and you put... You t- take the Oreo apart and you put some jam in there. And now, chocolate vanilla jam. I don't know. I think that's already a thing. It's probably a thing. I have no snack ideas, as you can tell. <clears throat> that's because you don't go to your dozen tinfoil hat and they suck them all out of your brain and use them. And that's why every time you go there and you're like, oh my gosh, I've been wanting this forever. Yeah, because they got it from you. Uh, You've been warned, people. Don't get your hats on. Leave it in your car. Get your hat on. (laughs) Get your hat on. With a little tinfoil hat. Don't be left at Trader Joe's without one. Exactly. Stuff one in your console, in your center console. Never leave home without it. (laughs) I thought it was like an insult. Stuff one in your console. (laughs) You you know what you can do with that one, one, buddy. Your console. (laughs) Dr. Ian Stevenson was a respected member of the scientific community even receiving acknowledgement from the Journal of the American Medical Association. Yeah, an editor there reviewed one of his books stating, in regard to reincarnation, he has painstakingly and unemotionally collected a detailed series of cases from India, cases in which the evidence is difficult to explain on any other grounds. He has placed on record a large amount of data that cannot be ignored. Yeah, he's like the guy or one of the guys. In 1967, he founded the Division of Perceptual Studies at the University of Virginia's School of Medicine, DOPS, for us professionals. Yeah, we are so professional. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm a professional. I don't know about you you all over there. I'm a professional (laughs) (laughs) If anyone asks. (laughs) Um, But I can't believe that's a thing. I am so excited. That's an actual real thing. Mm-hmm. Their mission is the scientific empirical investigation of phenomena that suggest that currently accepted scientific assumptions and theories about the nature of mind or consciousness and its relation to matter may be incomplete. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Say that three times fast. <laughs> so the science of sciencing why science can't science consciousness. Oh, now I get it. That's yeah. my kind of science. <sighs> Some included areas of study are ESP, Mm. poltergeists, near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, and claimed memories of past lives. Hmm. All my favorite things! Your faves! (laughs) That's it. I quit. I'm quitting the podcast. I'm taking my tinfoil hat with me to wherever the hell Virginia to study ghosts and dead people. You know, all those... Obnoxious live your best life post on Instagram. Yes. Well, I just realized what that is and N- I'm out. No. <laughs> v- Virginia. Come on. <laughs> I mean, there's so, that. Sorry, Virginia. Do you think I could work remotely? Uh, <sighs> All right, what, what? Fine. I'll stay and live my second best life. Second? <laughs> I mean, I'll take it. That sounds great. <laughs> I thought you were going to say fifth. <laughs> In 1977, the Journal of Nervous and Mental Disease, speaking of favorite things, <laughs> I love nervous and mental diseases. I like how this combines all of both of our favorite things. Pretty much. The Journal of Nervous and Mental Disease earmarked most of an issue to cover Dr. Stevenson's reincarnation work. 
What is with the oddly specific timeline of accomplishments? Did you notice that? It's 57, oh. 67, 77. Right. Did he do anything in 87? I mean, I can only assume that he did the same thing all upper-class white men were doing in 1987. Having phones installed on their yachts so that they could call their car phones from the yacht phone. (laughs) The paper cites cases of subjects who have claimed to remember previous lives, most of whose statements have been verified in the course of detailed investigations, and suggests the concept of reincarnation as a contributing factor in understanding diverse matters, including phobias and philias of childhood, skills not learned in early life, internal diseases, differences between members of identical twin pairs, and uh, abnormal appetites during pregnancy. Huh. I find that so interesting. I think for sure I was a Victorian lady in a past life. Oh. When I was five, we lived in the country, and all my friends were wearing overalls and shit, but I would beg my mom to put me in these frilly dresses with tights and patent shoes. Mm. And all we did was play in the mud, but I insisted. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, when all the kids tumbled back inside covered head to toe mud, I would step through the doorway with handfuls of mud in my little fist, but like my flouncy sleeves would be pushed way back, and every inch of me would be proper tidy. Like, I never got shit on my clothes. Hmm. Then, when I was about 10, I would go to the library and check out this massive book on etiquette (laughs) over and over and over. Nobody else ever got a chance to see the thing, not that they cared. Nobody wanted it. (laughs) Nobody wanted it. You were the only one. It was bigger than a phone book. I would carry it all the way home, and I would read it cover to cover, and I had a binder where I would hand write in this, like, little scrolly font about where the salad fork goes (laughs) and everything. When I was 10... I was reading the very scary almanac. What? I can't believe this existed, and I didn't know until now. Oh, my God. It was awesome. It had useful information uh, of a different sort, (laughs) namely how to keep zombies from remembering they're dead if you want them to do your bidding. Whoa. And the difference between a ghost and a wraith. What? And as an adult working as a server, I did eventually learn where the salad fork goes, though, so I'm all caught up. (laughs) The salad fork goes through the zombie's eye socket and into a wall to keep him from chasing you. (gasps) Yes. Um, My library sucked. How how do you tell the difference between a ghost and a wraith? I can't believe I don't know this. Okay, so according to the Very Scary Almanac, which is, of course, the foremost authority on the subject, no (laughs) doubt, uh, a wraith is an imprint of a living person, either in a time of crisis, like during a car accident, or the point just before death. So something really traumatic is happening, so and they appear. Like an echo? Yeah, so it's like, it's like the ghost of a living person. Okay. Whereas the ghost is the imprint of a deceased person. Mm, I'm still confused, but really I just need to know which one can chase <laughs> you. <laughs> I mean, I guess they both could, because they're... Damn it! Yeah. All right. I'll be, like, running and, like, back over my shoulder, like, Are you a ghost or a ray? <laughs> <laughs> I need to look up how to deal with you. This is trigger warning-y. Oh. Um, I guess they could turn from a wraith into a ghost. <gasps> Whoa. Yeah. So, like, if they're in a car accident and they're pinned or whatever, if they're in some sort of mortal peril. Right. And it's not looking good, they could just show up. Uh, and that was actually in the Netflix show, Surviving Death. What? Thank you, f***ing Netflix. Yeah. Oh. I'm um, not paying attention. <laughs> 
somebody yeah somebody's like cousin showed up and they were outside like let me in or something and oh when people see somebody they know and they yes. don't realize that they're dead yet that yeah. whole thing yeah or okay, got it yeah they're like on their deathbed and they're dying mm-hmm. but at the point that you see them they're still alive and then you find out later that they died five minutes later or whatever Okay, yeah. that is trippy. How are you going to, like, project out of your body before you're even gone yet? Man, if I had the answers to this question, I <gasps> wouldn't be doing an episode of Reincarnation. <laughs> I would be so telling everybody <laughs> why that is. Speaking of questions, okay, so how do you keep a zombie from remembering he's dead? Okay, so that one, easy. I would recommend keeping this handy all of the time, just in case. Uh, well, according to the very scary almanac, if they taste salt, they will suddenly remember that they're deceased and return to their dirt nap. I hate to break it to you, but I think your very scary almanac is taking some liberties there. Ah. Do we have any zombie listeners? Leave right in to deathpartypodcast at gmail.com and let us know if salt has reminded you to be dead or not. Uh, but if they're dead, they can't write in? Exactly. Oh. If nobody writes in, then it's true. Oh. If a bunch of zombies write in and tell us it's crap, huh? Uh, okay. All right. Okay. Now I'm caught up, too. Great. I guess I just wonder if we do retain information or tendencies from past lives, is that to help us in this life or is it just random energetic gunk that got stuck for no other reason than that it was sticky? Ew. Do I love frilly outfits and place settings just because I used to love frilly outfits and place settings? Or am I supposed to do something with it in this life? Like, hmm. am I supposed to open a tea parlor right now? <gasps> There's a tea parlor somewhere in this equation. Death par tea? <laughs> I can't believe I didn't think of that before. Oh my god! <laughs> merchandise opportunity (laughs) why did we spell it like this damn it it's too late undo everything do it over (laughs) everybody start listening all over again (laughs) rebrand buy a new domain and all that oh my god forget it nope just cut it out just cut out the whole joke scrap everything (laughs) oh you already quit once in this episode (laughs) i'm gonna quit as many times as I feel like it. No. Okay. I'm joining again. Okay, great. I've had, I think, two discussions in my adult life that I can recall about reincarnation. Wait, what? Have we not talked about reincarnation yet? I thought we were friends. Oh. Okay, three. But that conversation was really short. God, that was a close call. <laughs> and one was with an Indian coworker who was an adherent to Hinduism. Hmm. In fact, major religions that feature a belief in reincarnation include Hinduism and Buddhism, uh, Rastafarianism, and some Islamic branches. Hmm. Yeah. Buddhist reincarnation belief is an afterlife belief that one's existence spans through many lifetimes depending on one's karma. Mm -hmm. So um, I definitely was, you know, had heard the term karma before, but I guess I didn't really realize what was behind it. So... With rebirth, any being has the chance to move to or remain in a higher realm of existence. However, no being can stay indefinitely in the upper realms of existence. This is because if one's cumulative wholesome karma is used up and becomes insufficient to offset one's unwholesome karma, then one must face rebirth in a less happy realm. Ah, yeah, you like a bunch of tiny little awful 
mm. one really huge great thing uh-huh you don't know where you're gonna land so be careful it's a dice roll mm. hence reincarnation is usually referred to as transmigration in buddhism because reincarnation also renews sufferings incurred from past incarnations Tell and brings forth <laughs> and brings forth any unwholesome karma for subsequent incarnations until one attains nirvana Buddhists do not view reincarnation as a source of solace. I agree. <laughs> it sounds kind of miserable. Uh, nirvana is a place or state that signifies the end of reincarnation and hence the end of all sufferings. So the suffering of existence, of youth and aging. Tell me about it. Of health and sickness. Yeah, I got all of those. Check and check. <laughs> Unless a person enters nirvana, he or she cannot escape the pain or misery of reincarnation through numerous rebirths within the six transient realms of existence. Therefore, despite there being many afterlives beyond death, it is doubtful that Buddhists desire reincarnation. <laughs> uh, yeah, like GTFO. Yeah. Sounds like uh, not a reward. Mm-hmm. Sounds, like a, sounds like a bit of a punishment. Yep. Actually. So, in summary, Buddhist mm-hmm. reincarnation belief explains the process of living various lifetimes, being either mostly good person or mostly bad person each time. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, you're trying to be a good enough person to escape this hell realm of an existence <laughs> and ascend to a state of nirvana or bliss, mm-hmm. which is when we finally get to be done with commuting, Ugh. paying taxes, Ugh. getting in arguments with distant family members on Twitter. Oh, uh, the worst. yeah this gives more weight to my already firmly held belief that there is more to existence than this shitty intermediary plane yeah belief in reincarnation goes back centuries plato and pythagoras were adherents as were the followers of the mystery cult of orpheus in second century greece i want to be part of a mystery cult right is this the part where i get to complain about being an american again (laughs) always please (laughs) thank you be my guest the Pew study tells us most Americans self-identify as Christian. Again, not shocking. I think we pretty much knew that. Uh, Christianity, not having a huge focus on reincarnation. So these things kind of conflict, right? Yeah. It's not at the forefront of people's minds here. And for many God-fearing Americans, it's a taboo subject. Mm. So imagine being part of a religion or belief system that doesn't accept reincarnation as a thing and having your toddler tell you he recalls his past life that could be a bit rattling to a first-time parent and has happened on several occasions could be a bit rattling for the kid too when they try to shake the devil out of them (laughs) be gone (laughs) devil (laughs) out (laughs) have i told you i also cosplayed the exorcist on the weekends Aside from starting this podcast, it's another of my newly developed COVID hobbies. <laughs> uh, Pixar, it didn't happen. <laughs> oh, don't you Actually, dare. Actually, I want video. Don't you dare. How dare you? Oh my God, that would be so great. Jim Tucker is a child psychologist. Don't even think about it. <laughs> I'm already planning it all out. Jim Tucker is a child psychologist and Bonner Lowry professor of psychiatry and oop and uh, does anybody know what that means did you write that did I write that I I think I wrote that do you want me to read it (laughs) is it at 
Bonner Lowry professor? No. Or is that a title? And um, Jim Decker is a child psychologist and Bonner Lowry professor of psychiatry and neurobehavioral sciences at DOPS. Well, what the f does any of that mean? I don't know. I read it. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one person listening, they'll appreciate it. One person. Somebody out there knows what it means. Uh, they'll be like, "Damn! Wow, Bonner! Legit. Bonner Lowry!" <laughs> uh, okay, moving on. <laughs> He studies cases of children who seem to remember past lives. He's even written books on the subject titled Life Before Life, A Scientific Investigation of Children's Memories of Previous Lives, and Return to Life, Extraordinary Cases of Children Who Remember Past Lives. The first part of that book is broken down into case studies. I want to do a poll. Should a book about reincarnation be titled Life After Life or Death After Death? Oh. And everyone who votes for the second one is like instant friend okay so you meet somebody and you're like hey what do you think about uh life after life or death after death yeah it's like my icebreaker conversation that and the poltergeist question (laughs) how do you feel about poltergeist also (laughs) while i'm here (laughs) which of these titles is better yeah that's a foolproof plan that i know dops studies the parapsychological with a scientific approach Praised by believers and non-believers alike. Uh, not that it's like 100% praised, but you know, uh, there's always a critic. The Everybody. People who, the people who matter. <laughs> Praise it. In an article published in the Journal of Nervous and Mental Disease, which I want to be a poster child of. <laughs> <laughs> Do you do centerfold? You with the title across the top. (laughs) Co-host, acclaimed American (laughs) psychiatrist. Your co-host, (laughs) co-host, comma with love, co-host. In an article published in the Journal of Nervous and Mental Disease. Acclaimed American psychiatrist Harold Leaf praised Stevenson's approach to data collection, saying, While I withhold final judgment on the content and conclusions of my friend's study of telepathy, xenoglossy? Xenoglossy? Xenoglossy. <laughs> and re- now I need to know what xenoglossy is. Do you want it regular glossy or xenoglossy? <laughs> That's the extra glossy version when you go to like... FedEx or Kinko's or whatever it's called these days. It's the glossy version that's afraid of people moving from somewhere else. <laughs> so glossy you can see through it into another dimension. While I withhold final judgment on the content and conclusions, I am a true believer in his methods of investigation. Stevenson's writing and research reports are the work of a man who is methodical and thorough in his data collection and clear and lucid in their analysis and presentation. So, um, obviously, we're doing a lot of, you know, building this presumably white he's guy. He's not a quack. <laughs> we're trying, yeah, the point is, he's not a quack, but um, he does have detractors. I just saw a little bit where people were saying that he suffers a bit from confirmation bias and, you know, would kind of ignore the research that disproved or weakened his arguments i don't believe that for a second (laughs) he's already on the stevenson train pulling on that horn chugging along 
wearing that tinfoil conductor's hat. (laughs) Just shoveling tinfoil into the train. It doesn't even run on coal. (laughs) It just runs on Trader Joe's stack ideas and (laughs) and a dream. (laughs) Yeah, so you were saying that there are some people that think that he has confirmation bias. Yes. But he also approaches his work with, like, he uses a scientific method and tries to be as neutral as possible, and he tries to make sure that people aren't leading the children or providing them with information that they wouldn't have or that they haven't had some other kind of experience, you know? So he, like, looks into things to try and prove or disprove as much as possible, and I think anybody, believers and non-believers, all have confirmation bias. And it's really tricky Mm. as a human, living a human experience, to separate that out from your work and be completely neutral. Yes. But so, you know, he tries. True. Yes. I think he does a good job. (laughs) If you're listening, you do a good job. Uh, He's dead. I believe in you. (laughs) Sorry. Hey, then he's listening for sure. Oh, Oh, unless already in which case who knows yeah could be anywhere dr ian stevenson if you're listening leave us an email (laughs) with your with your zombie hands our computers will both short out at the same Ah, time oh my god God. what if the ipad's just like flash like (gasps) i hear you flashing morse code i'm like i am here Scientific Americans research psychologist Jesse Baring asked why scientists aren't taking Stevenson's data more seriously. Yeah. And says that current models for understanding brain function don't allow for consideration of non-materialist data like those mined at DOPS. Uh, materialism. We didn't define it. Materialism is the belief that everything can be explained by matter. Josh? I didn't do the research. <laughs> it's like the scientific principle. It's in the... Um... Like, this is all there is, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you had a science degree. Can you go... From the Art Institute. <laughs> that does not count. Yeah, so materialism is the belief that physical matter is all there is, basically. So they're not concerned with consciousness or... Or yep. anything interesting or magical <laughs> or cool. Yep, nope, nope, none of that stuff. Losers. They don't want any of it. It relegates religion to antiquated folk belief and consciousness to purely a product of a physical brain. So that's materialism. Boring! <laughs> boring! Then how do you explain plugging in a lamp and turning it on? Because where the f*** does electricity come from? Is that material? Wait, is it material though? Well, I guess atoms would count. Oh. Protons and neutrons and electrons. But those are too small to see, so how do you know that they're there? Oh, Making it up. Microscopes. So just because we don't have a microscope that can see stuff that's even smaller than that or even crazier than that means they're just limited by our current scientific discoveries. They're assuming that our current level of comprehension and investigation is it we're caught up he questions our refusal as a society to look at those findings and whether it is because we fear being wrong i also question that (laughs) (laughs) 
Jesse's not the only one. Jesse Baring. Stevenson's most famous words may hold the answer. The wish not to believe can influence as strongly as the wish to believe. Oh. Burn. Six psychiatric <laughs> burns. Eight-year degree burns. <laughs> yeah. And that's all from um, Jim Tucker's book, Return to Life. Stevenson and Tucker are not alone in the scientific community. Max Carl Ernst Ludwig Planck, Ooh. his parents couldn't decide on a name, clearly, so they just used them all, Sure, was a German theoretical physicist who won the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1918 when the rest of us were just in diapers. Well, uh, so you didn't win the Nobel Prize in Physics? <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure we've all crossed that threshold, Hey, Come on. <laughs> I mean, when I was in diapers. Oh, oh, oh. That one, I don't count it. Right, right. Planck made many contributions to theoretical physics, but his fame as a physicist came from his role as the originator of quantum theory, which revolutionized our understanding of atomic and subatomic processes. And then we abused it to make (laughs) A-bombs. And then we were like, what can we do with this? Blow shit up. Blow everything up. Ugh, humans. Yeah. So stupid. But he saw merit in the possibility of a physical realm derived from non-physical consciousness. Mm. Astrophysicist Carl Sagan, ring a bell, wrote that the phenomenon of children reporting details of a previous life, which upon checking turn out to be accurate and which they could not have known about in any other way than reincarnation, is an area of research deserving of serious study. Hell yeah, Carl Sagan. I agree. I We had to watch so many Carl Sagan videos when I was in eighth grade, mm-hmm. and I thought he was the boringest dude. Mm-hmm. Like the best. And now he's redeemed himself. And now, Carl Sagan, <laughs> you, know you what's up, Carl? classy motherfucker. Right? Look at you. Didn't know you had a brain in that head. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wasn't the issue. It was just that he... <laughs> Seemed really interested in boring topics <laughs> to my eighth grade brain. Well, yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, in an interview in early 2014, Jim Tucker said that the work at the University of Virginia had been going on for 50 years and consisted of over 2,500 cases on children remembering past lives. I couldn't find a current number, but the man is impressive, is my point. Yeah. If you live here in America with us and you've heard a reincarnation story, it's highly likely that it's one of the famous cases that he investigated, either the story of James Huston, the undead fighter pilot. Thanks, Netflix. Or the study of Marty Martin, the undead Hollywood casting agent, just to name a couple. Thanks, Netflix. We, we made the plan to write about those two dudes, and then Netflix was like, oh, is this what you were going to write about? And so just, <laughs> they have our phones tapped, uh, telling you. Facebook yeah. is telling them every time I talk about something, and then I go on Facebook, it shows me an ad for that, so I know for a fact that they're listening in, and they're selling my information to Netflix. Mm. Hold on, let me get my hat. <laughs> um... <laughs> But so, you know, you've probably heard about them for two, well, three reasons. Netflix, but also white and males. Oh, I'm just kidding. There are thousands of case files on children who remember past lives. And out of those, about 70% of the children said that they died violent or unexpected deaths in their previous lives, which they sort of connect to being able to remember those lives. And then oh. males account for about 73% of those deaths. Wait. So, I mean, it's just a numbers thing. Wait, what? 73%? Yeah. 
73% of the 70%, I believe. Okay. So just like young males tend to die more often than young females because they take more risks and children who recall past lives mostly recall a violent death at a younger age, Mm. not dying from old age. So adding all that up, it's more likely that you're going to come up with a person that reports a past life as a man. It's just a numbers thing. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Women have equal rights and get equal press in this day and age, so that's definitely it. Oh. <laughs> right. Forgot about that part where we became equal. Yeah. The Kill cabin. me now so I can come back as a man and someone will listen. Okay. Don't get hysterical, ma'am. <laughs> I just flip a table and leave. <laughs> Pow. So... These two cases are very well documented, as in information provided by the children was methodically researched and connected to the men that came before them. So there's that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But Stevenson published a two-volume work back in 1997 called Reincarnation and Biology, which documented 225 case reports of children who remembered previous lives and had physical anomalies that matched those previous lives. And some of them had vaginas, (gasps) just saying. Well. It's fine. Always the most productive in the years ending with seven. Oh, what the hell? That's another year ending in seven. Yes. Okay, do they study numerology at the Division of Perceptual Studies? Because this is getting freaky. Ugh, if they do, I'm putting my application in on Monday. (laughs) Mine's already in. I beat you. No. Well, in case you haven't heard about those American cisgendered white males... We're going to lose all our male listeners right now. (laughs) Again! (laughs) We'll catch you up. But we're also here to tell you about a couple reincarnation stories that have women of color in them. Gasp! Because, damn it, privileged white males aren't the only ones who get to die tragically and then tell weird undead stories that make everyone doubt their credibility anymore. Yeah. Why do white dudes always get to have all the fun around here? And by here, I mean Earth and whatever comes after Earth and fun, I mean tragically reliving horrible (laughs) deaths and have everyone doubt them. Damn it. I mean, what other definition of fun is there? (laughs) That's another conversation for a party. (laughs) First meet somebody. So what do you what do you think is fun for me? What do you do for fun? (laughs) It's reliving past life trauma. Since traumatizing everyone I tell about it. Uh well this took forever to research. I feel like I've got one foot in the grave already, so you'll have to come back like a reincarnated child and join us next time since Undead James 3 is such a character. If you have a wild reincarnation story, suspicion, or hell, someone else's story, we want to hear it. We have a Facebook group that you can be a part of. You can. So you can join forces with other kooky and wacky folks that like to wonder about death too. Parchment hats and tinfoil hats welcome. Yes. That's at facebook.com slash groups slash death party podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen to us discuss the thoughts that keep us awake in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. Maybe they keep you awake too, but by coming together in consciousness Uh and spirit, we are stronger together. Like anxious care bears. No. If you are dying to tell a friend about us, please do. 
The more awesome people like you that listen, follow, or give us a good review, the more time we will be able to dedicate to making future episodes. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and YouTube. And we're working on some other ones. If you have a favorite podcast app and we're not on there, message us at Death Party Podcast on Facebook or Instagram or Death Party Pod on Twitter and let us know. You can also email us at deathpartypodcast at gmail.com and we'll get on there just for you. Because life is hard enough and death is, is death harder or easier? Oof. Uh, And death is a thing, but together we can make it a party.